Welcome to the B&E Podcast with Brandon Colby-Cook and Evan Schulte. Exploring the creative process and finding the balance between artistry and industry. Entirely uncut and unscripted. Doing that PCAST. That PCAST, you know what that stands for? It stands for podcast. But, you know, you say PCAST and it's like you shorten it and it's like you become, you know, like, I, I don't know what that becomes, but it's, you know. It's a PCAST. It's the PCAST. <laughs> Welcome to the to the B&E PCAST, <laughs> where we're doing our not-so-serious thing today Yeah. one more time. Once uh, again, I'm just here for the beer. Yep. Yep. Let's face it. That's really why we show up. It's just an excuse for us to drink beer. Yeah. The conversation is just the cherry on top. That's right. Uh, it's just really about the beer. Um, no, of course not. The beer is nice. Of course. Um, but we're here to talk about some artistry and some industry and some industry. Yeah. <laughs> God both, willing. Both. Of and, those. uh, and we'll, the balance. Uh, yeah, and the balance in some way, shape, or form. We don't know uh, what we're going to talk about today. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you've clicked on this, it means you've read the title, which means you have a better idea of what we are about to get into. Yeah. But uh, it's fun. You can you can hear us discover it, and uh, and and that's that's kind of fun. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. So um, let's let's start talking about something. <laughs> well, uh, so I, you know, I've been touching in on this thing a little bit here and there. So I'll touch back in again. You, you finally read my script now. Uh, Fi- yeah. Finally, finally read, read my, finally read my script. Uh, <laughs> right. It you? did take me a little while yeah. to get to it, but I got to it. I know you wanted to. Perfect. Busy timing. Mm-hmm. You actually did get it. I got I got to it exactly when I was supposed to get to it, Brandon. <laughs> Is that because I told you that, or just because you decided that? I've I, I've I, I took what you said, and now I've decided it. Hmm. Yeah. Well, you did kind of read it at the perfect time because I'm just about to do another edit of it, and um, our discussion was a good one, uh, which we don't need to get into necessarily on the podcast, but um, so things have evolved with the whole process. It was going to begin as a movie and now it's beginning to begin as a play, which was, um, which is kind of interesting. It all kind of just worked out that way. It seems like how it's going to go. So, um, yeah, uh, I'm pretty excited. I think what we're going to, you know, originally I wanted to do a three week run and I wanted to do like a pretty big theater and stuff. Well, not a massive theater, but a little bigger than average. And, uh, as I've been going through the process and learning more about what it takes to put a play up and the risks involved, um, to do it right financially and all that. Cause I don't want to just black box it. I really am trying to avoid that. I feel like so many plays get put up with the black box, which we can talk about in case people don't understand what that is. Yeah. But, um, basically what it means is, uh, sometimes you put up a, a play and they, and they figure, well, if the play is so good and the acting is so good and the set isn't absolutely necessary, yeah. then we can just rely on the acting and the audience can kind of use their imagination to fill in the surroundings. Yeah. And oftentimes, yeah, like there's, there's like very little props. There's like very, like sometimes there's furniture, 
Yeah, there's almost um, no set but deck. But oftentimes it's just like like it's just blocks. Yeah, or something too. Like you, there's just big wooden blocks that get used and turned into like couches or chairs or tables or something. Um, it's kind of interesting, but you know, there's leaving something to the imagination. But then it can get sometimes. So anyhow, yeah. So what, uh, Black box theater. so the, the, the other way is if you go to a high end production, what you'll end up getting is you'll get an actual set that's been built. So there'll yeah. be like actual furniture set up. There'll even be flooring a lot of the time. There'll be wild walls that are set up to like create the environment. If you're yeah. whatever you're in, um, which might even have like a fake window. And yeah. I saw actually the mouse trap at the Stanley and they had a snowblower going the whole time through the window. So you always saw snow falling throughout the entire play through yeah. the window, which I thought was a really neat little thing they had. You know, it wasn't real snow. It was like some type of powder they were doing. Yeah, but, yeah. you know, those types of things to do that obviously takes money and it takes, you know, some mechanics yeah. and whatnot. Um, but what I'm going to be doing, I think, uh, as we go through this process is we're either going to build the whole set or um, someone actually gave me another option, which is that you, you build these wild walls and they're essentially on like wheels or, or some type of whatever sliders. And so, you know, even if it's just those carpet sliders yeah. and then you slide them across and what ends up happening is the location is, um, not full, but it's not, it's not complete. It's kind of incomplete. So it leaves a little bit to the imagination, but it gives you enough to be like, Oh, this is where I am. Right. And like they set up the environment. So it's not totally like black box. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's one, that's one option. Um, I have built sets before on film though. So I think I might just want to go with the whole set. I kind of know what it takes. Yeah. Um, and I know kind of the doing indie film, I kind of know the inexpensive way to do it, Mm -hmm. which it can still look pretty good. Um, but it's an interesting, it's, it's an interesting process going through this because event, like I wanted to do basically what it's all coming down to though, is which theater to choose and how many days to run it for. Because as I was going through the math, and this is just Vancouver numbers, but like on a low end theater, you're looking at pretty much like a couple grand for a week or at least minimum, pretty much $300 a day as a rental, which isn't very much. But if you add that up over three weeks, you know, that's six grand plus, you know, you're probably going to, um, have to hire a few other people as far as just running your location. So right there, you're up to six or seven or eight, you know, maybe nine, just to, just to hold the space. Yeah. And then you got set deck and then you got to hold your rehearsal space and there's all these other costs that come into it. So at the end of the day, I mean, you could be looking at, you know, on a low end theater, you could be looking at something like, um, you know, uh, a three week run, you could be looking at at least minimum, like 7,000 at the absolute minimum. Yeah. But you know, all the way up to like 20 grand. And then if you want to go to like the Stanley theater, which is like one of our main theaters in town, um, to do a one night show is like about 19 grand just for the location alone. Wow. 26,000 to do a two show day. So if you want to do like a Saturday afternoon and a Saturday evening. Yeah. So we're talking some serious oh coin, God, that's some serious coin yeah. you got to put down. So, you know, you're looking at these, these plays. So just to give people an idea, cause I've been doing all this research, I've been learning a ton. If you want to put up a, a play for a month, you know, at say the Stanley theater, which is a top end theater, say in Vancouver, you know, your weekends are about, you know, uh, whatever, $26,000 each day. And then for, if you want to run shows every day of the week 
at night, you know, it's $19,000 five days of the week. Yeah. So that's a hundred grand. That's 150 grand basically every week that you're paying. So for a four week run, you're, you're talking over, over half a million, $600,000. And that, that is just for your location, Mm -hmm. just to have your, your place rented out and to do your essentially, um, 30 to 40 shows or whatever. Yeah. So here's the thing. If you're going to be able to spend anything like that, you need to guarantee a certain amount of like pre-sold tickets that enough people are going to come and the tickets have to be priced appropriately. So, uh, I have no idea what it would actually cost to do something on Broadway or off Broadway or off, off Broadway, but I've been like venturing down this road now. So I've been finding out some more numbers and I'm sure it's even more, you know, extraordinary, but it's really put some things into perspective because I realized as I talked to, um, one of my colleagues who has been helping me kind of with the marketing side of the film and getting me prepared for that, that it actually makes much more sense when you start becoming say like a playwright and a, you know, playwright and a director and like, you know, moving plays forward. And if, if you're not just putting up a play, just like, I just want agents to see me, but you're like, or casting directors, but you're actually putting up a play to do a legitimate play yeah. that might actually have a run and might get picked up and might get, uh, say written about in the newspaper yeah. and you want to do this independently. What I'm actually discovering is that it's really good to start small, not too small. Yeah. And I don't know, I'm not an expert yet. We're going to actually, I'm going to get someone on who, uh, a couple people who I've already talked to who will come on and guests on the show. Oh, that's great. Yeah. But, but it's better when you begin to actually start small, but to give yourself a certain amount of time. So there's basically, there's basically, um, a, a few options that I have right now. Do you want me to run through them? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, let's do it. Just cause it's interesting. I yeah. figure if anybody's interested in theater, this could be good for them to know. It's all been super interesting to me. Yeah. So you can do, your options are really this. You could do a one night show, which is at the very minimum, you just put the play up for an evening. And if you're going to do that, what you're doing is you're getting really targeted on your audience. Everyone who shows up, it's not really about making money for your one night show. It's really just about getting key people to your, to your thing so that you can either get a review written or you can get some people to see what you're doing, right. get something which will basically open up the door for you to be able to do your next move. Yeah. So that's, it's a lot of work for one, one night. So you might as well do three. So you can rent a theater out for a weekend. So this is kind of option two. So now you got three days. So you get the Friday, Saturday, Sunday type of situation. Right. And with the Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you could technically put up five shows if you wanted to, you could put up two, um, one, two matinees and two evenings, or you could just do three night shows, whatever you want. So you got the option, but this for the work, at least you're getting quite a lot of time to actually do it. And, you know, I think if you do the one night play, the problem is you do the one night and you're like, Oh man, like I'd love to do it again. And it's over. Right. So the weekend's a little bit better. Yeah. No, I've done a one night play before and it's like, it's, uh, like it's, it's a ton of fun, but like, it's just, it's over. It's just, you put so much work into it. Yeah. And then it's just like over in one night. And yeah. So, yeah. I've done that too. And I've done the weekend or I've done, I think, uh, was it one week or one weekend play? Um, yeah. And, the, or, 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 and so then the next option is the week and then two weeks, three weeks up to four weeks or 
or six or whatever. And then you can, and then you can, then the next option after that is any of those variations and then make it a traveling play. Mm -hmm. So what I was thinking initially was my plan was, okay, well, what does it take to get this play to maybe be like off, off Broadway, New York city, right? Or even off Broadway, what would it take? I'm just curious. I don't even know if it's possible, but let's figure it out. So if you want to be like off Broadway, you basically at that point for you to justify the price. And I don't know what the numbers are. I couldn't give them to you at this moment, but, um, you know, a lot of these off Broadway plays, they need to have so much material written about them by the time you get there. And, or you need to have like famous actors in them Mm. because basically you won't get enough people to know who, what your play is to come out to it, to justify the expenses that you'd be paying to rent the theater. Yeah. And, um, you know, in, in, uh, and, and so this is, so what I'm learning here is basically coming from Vancouver, which is not a theater town, um, doing a three week play is kind of ludicrous unless you have like a really built audience. Yeah. So I've paired it back. Now my plan is to do a one week play. I was getting, I was still fighting for two, but then as we crunched the numbers, we started to look at it as like, okay, I might as well do either the, the basically the weekend or the one week for a first play. Yeah. And and what I, what you do is you try to pre-sell as many of the tickets as you possibly can mm. before you even go to stage. Right. And if you pre-sell enough of them, then what you do is you say, okay, we'll go for the additional week. And even if your additional week isn't back to back, that's still okay. But what, but the reason, like the reason why you'd want to do the two or three week play is that basically most of the reviewers and the people of like substance who are going to come and write about your play, they're waiting for it to make it past that first week. Yeah. So if it makes it past that first week and that's when people start hearing about it, that's usually when they're going to start to come. So, but the problem is, is it's such an investment. Here's the problem Mm. is if people don't go to theater already and you don't get enough of an audience in the beginning, you could be performing a play for practically no one. And that's not necessarily good for morale for all the actors and the people involved and whatnot. So, um, yeah. And so then the other final thing is your theater choice is really important because obviously location is important. Venue is important just for the experience. Cause like if it's a, if it's a nice venue, everyone walks in, they go, wow, this is a really nice venue. They really, yeah. this is really serious. So you want to have that nice venue. You don't mm. want to go to like some like hole in the wall studio that has like no bar and no like nice area. Like that's not ideal. Well, I mean, you can, you can, some people might even like that, but yeah, it's right. Depending on what you want to do. It depends on your audience. It depends what you're trying to do. But if you're trying to make a legitimate play and you're trying to kind of give people the experience of theater without necessarily paying for the experience of theater, um, this is what you kind of want to look at. And then, and then basically, uh, you know, um, you go and, and you do this. So if you can do one week and the thing is, if you do one week or one weekend, but you, you know, you get the right people in the seats, you could get good reviews. And then that can actually get your play to be put up again or toured or whatever. Right. And that is the path from if you're not already in New York city, and maybe even if you are to get off, off Broadway or off, off, off Broadway or yeah. off Broadway or even on Broadway. But being on Broadway from what I understand is like a major commercial production at that point. Yeah. Like we're talking, you big, know, big yeah. musicals, big, yeah. yeah, big giant budgets. Yeah. You don't come, you don't go do that independently, you yeah. know? And if you do like you, you either have a lot of money and a lot of 
let's just say balls because you're yeah. you're really putting a risk out there totally. or you're a lot of connections i guess right mm. So anyway, this is kind of exciting, man. Like, um, you know, I, I didn't know very little about theater. I took a little bit of theater school when I went to university and, uh, that was it. And you know, they did a little bit of stage acting and they did a little bit of uh, like behind the scenes of how to, you know, how, how putting up a play works, Yeah. but that was it. And now I'm actually starting to learn the actual business of theater and how it actually goes. It's really exciting though. Yeah. I really like it. I'm, I, I, you know, and so basically right now, I'm basically weighing now between either, uh, like at the high end, 140 person theater. The mid is like about a 70 person theater and the lower is a 30 person theater. The, the plus side of doing say a 30 person theater is that you could sell out every single night. And then a lot of people who wanted to come can't come. And that actually can be really good. And you Mm -hmm. have that full house feel for your theater of course you're in a smaller location. You really got to use a tight spot. Um, the next option is the 70, uh, which is mid-level, which is a little harder to fill, but you know, and maybe a little more expensive, but it's an option. And then you can go all the way up to about 140. You're still in the same price range. And the other option is to do a, a play, which is where you have, um, I guess a stadium kind of style where everybody's kind of looking at you, you know, yeah. Or you can do center room where it's like you have three walls. Mm. So people are sitting around you. Right. And that can be a really cool option too. So these are kind yeah. of the things that I'm playing with now as the play goes, because, you know, uh, yeah. it's exciting, man. I just, yeah, it's, it's all new and it's all interesting. And it's because there's so many different directions you can take with that. I mean, I, I think I find that so fascinating is that there's with like certain like logistics, these things that you don't necessarily think about you know, because sort of when you're, when you're writing, you're doing it from almost an ideal place. You're picturing exactly what you want to picture, how it all looks, how it's all like, everything is perfect and ideal to whatever conditions you've created in your mind. And then when it goes to, all right, now we're, we're actually creating this and putting it out there. And you know, these things aren't going to go exactly that way right? Like things are going to have to be altered and changed. And it's not necessarily a bad thing Mm. that you have some of these original ideas have to be kind of scrapped at times, right? I, to me, they kind of provide a sketch, like an overall sort of thing that helps you get to a certain point, right? And then there's these little things that come up and they present all kinds of really interesting opportunities they become almost ways that you can like they, they almost become these interesting little ways that you don't think of to sort of stretch your creative muscle and to make it almost part of, of what you're doing, you know, like, Oh, okay. We don't have, we, we're not going to have this location or this be able to do this kind of set. We have this one, which means we're going to have to do a set this way instead. And you go, but that opens up a whole, like a whole new opportunity. Mm. There's something that that location might be, might bring to it that you wouldn't have gotten otherwise. Right. That maybe is actually better, Mm. you know, but we don't always like, we, we have such limited minds in so many ways, you know, like we, we get so set on something and then we can't, you know, the problem is when we can't adjust. Right. But when, we can adjust when we learn to adjust, 
and, and to welcome it, we are, we're confronted with like a whole new set of, of creative possibility that we just like, we, we have limitations on what we can do. Mm-hmm. Right. Which is always why it's great. You know, when you, when something unexpected happens or when I will say a trusted person gives you feedback or gives you some input on something, you know, it's like, they just have a different take on it. Right. You know, and when you don't take things so personally either, or when you don't get too rigid in, in how you think it's supposed to be done, that's usually how, um, you know, when you hear people who are sort of like a nightmare to work with, Uh, you know, they're the ones who just won't budge on anything. And, you know, like we kind of see that as being a really admirable trait. It's like, it is, but not always, you know, like anything, you know, we talk about the balance of artistry and industry. This is another thing where you balance. It's like, where do you stand your ground and where do you, you know, and where do you move? Mm-hmm. Right. Like, cause if it turns into just stubbornness, well now you're hard to work with. And now it's just like, and you're, you're sort of strangling the work. I think that's what can begin to happen. It's like, you just, you just strangle it dead because you're holding on so tight to this idea that you've got, right? And you've got to let loose the reins a little. You got to let it move. You got to let it, you got to let it breathe. You got to let it breathe. Yeah. Absolutely. You got to let it breathe. And you got, and it might say something that you didn't expect yeah. in that breath, right? You know, it's, you know, it's, that's a lesson that I am learning and it's getting, I'm getting kind of hit over the head with it everywhere because, you know, um, it's funny because with this podcast, I really feel like I'm holding myself accountable because I say, this is what I'm going to do. And most times like I do exactly what I say I will do. Yeah. But, um, I don't know how many podcasts it was several back. I said, I'm making this movie. Yeah. And that was my plan. And I was very set on making a movie and Mm -hmm. I went out and I wrote the script and the script was good and we got great feedback and you know, I got people excited and we're ready to go and we got the location and then shit hits the fan. Yeah. You know, and, um, the location, uh, is no longer available and the location was free. And that was a big part of what was making the whole push. I had to talk with a friend. Why are you, why are you making the film right now? Is it like, what's your reason? I said, well, it's this location. The number one reason why I'm making it right now is because of this location and the location is being sold. So I won't have access to it anymore, at least for my friend and not for free. And I don't know if I'll ever be able to get that location again, because I don't know if the people who are moving in would ever be interested in that. And then furthermore, um, you know, my friend had a tragedy in the family, which, you know, just all, all the more reason why, okay, this is not going to work. And so then I said, okay, well, uh, let's look at some other options, some other things. Right. And so I'm going forward with this, this thing. And I was really passionate about making it into a play. And then it just became kind of became more obvious as we kind of went down the process. And I say we, because I've been collecting people who have been kind of here and ready to help me because they're getting excited about it too. And so now it's like, okay, well, this is going to be a play now first and then a movie. Cause I was going to make a movie and then put a play up. But now it actually makes more sense because, and, and, uh, the people who are helping me are like, this is really great actually, because now you're going to get people to come to the play. You're going to build a kind of a pre-sold audience for it. And then you're going to be like, Hey, well, we're making the play into the movie. And yeah. if they don't like the play and you're getting terrible feedback on the play, don't make the movie. 
<laughs> yeah. you know, but if they're loving the play and you're really doing it properly and it's really going great, people would love to see that play turned into a movie. So you're going to already have a pre-sold audience who's ready to at least help you share mm-hmm. this movie you're about to make, which right now you have none because you just created a script and whatever. Yeah. So you really got to give it room to breathe because you got to let go a little and then wonderful things happen. And like right now I'm kind of riding by the seat of my pants because I don't know enough about theater to be like, I know what I'm doing. But like if we have to go in a 30 person theater in this quaint little spot and run it for three days and that's all we get, but I at least get to build kind of the set I want to build and I don't have to fucking black box it, which I want to avoid at all costs. Yeah. Then that's a win right? And if that's what the win is, then that's the first step in this journey. But it's, you know, when I was thinking bigger with the theater, I'm like three week run, bigger theater. And then I, and I was actually thinking of a $6,000 a week theater, right? Yeah. Six to seven. And I was like crunching the numbers and I was looking at it and I raised money before and I was like, whoa, like we're starting to get into risky territory here because I can't necessarily guarantee we're going to get the audience right away. Yeah. And you know, and, and I just like, as we went down this road, I'm like, whoa, like, okay, unless I get some serious promoters on my side and some things, which I don't have yet, I really need to consider what I'm doing. Now I'm not saying that's not going to happen, but right now by pairing it back, I go, okay, this is more manageable. This is less risky, especially because I'm probably not going to be using my money. I'm using investors money to be making this play. I want to be in, you know, I want, I don't want them just losing a bunch of money. Yeah. Right. So it's, it's an interesting journey, man. And yeah, yeah. And, and everything, not everything demands this, you know, not everything needs the same tool, mm-hmm. you know, like not, not, you know, this, a screwdriver or a screw doesn't need, need a hammer. Right. You know, like it's like these things change and, and they require, uh, depending on what we want to do with it, what our original, especially what our original intention, when you go back to it's like, well, what did I want to do with this in the first place? You know, what was the purpose of all of this? What does, you know, what was the aim of this? And you can go and say, it's like, oh, well, was this, was this meant to be something that was in like a big giant theater? It was like, yeah, that might be great. But I mean, it's like to make that happen, is that, you know, is the juice worth the squeeze? You know, is that something you really want to go through and put yourself through? Mm. Or is this, you know, because I remember when you started this, this was something that you were just like, I want to do this. I want it because it started out as a film Yeah. in your head. And you were like, we're going to do this as a film. Um, even though it was like, we're going to do a film, but I'm going to write it a lot like a play, mm-hmm. you know, it's mostly one location, two people, you know, dialogue heavy. It's just going to, you know, and, and, and a great story. Right. Um, it was, it was, came from a sort of an idea of simplicity, Mm. but like this went sometimes like, you know, there's not, there would be nothing wrong with doing it in like a bigger setting. If you had like a big venue and you did a big run that could possibly work. But when you, you ultimately have to go, it's like, well, what would that take to do that? And does that actually serve the original intention of doing it when I began, when mm. I sat up, when I set out and maybe the answer is no. So you go, okay, so then what do we want to do with it? It doesn't mean you stop. It just means you go in another direction. You, you shift, you move, you, yeah. Yeah. You adjust, 
You would breathe. just. That was like <laughs> one of my one of my favorite acting teachers. He always said he's like the, one of the biggest words in the actor's vocabulary is adjust. Hmm. You you adjust constantly with everything, every little every little nuance, every little new piece of information that comes at you, new thing that that happens. You know, and when you're really paying attention, you start to catch them, hmm. and they become your lifeline. You know, adjustments become your absolute lifeline. It's, you know, it, you know, one thing that's exciting right now is like, and, and speaking of adjustments is that I'm out of my comfort zone. I'm in an area that I am not as familiar with. Yeah. It's new to me. It's constant learning. Every, every day has been learning. It's so fun and exciting. It's, it's, it's scary too, but, um, you know, there's a talk that's being tossed around on Facebook right now and I forget the speaker, but he's a, he's a really interesting dude. He has a lot of great talks but he was basically pointing out that, um, maybe I'll, I'll link it. I'll, I'll find it and we'll link it to the blog. So if anyone wants to check out the blog on the website at www.thebandepodcast.com, go there and check out this blog or even on the SoundCloud or whatever, and you can find the link. But, um, he talks about how r- realistic people are delusional. And here's why he says, realistic <laughs> people basically try to convince um, other people that they're realistic is reality, but it isn't. They spend most of their time worrying about things that never happen and never will happen. Mm. And that's delusional. And so he basically points <laughs> out how like people talk about how the government is like throwing the world in a, in a, in, a, in the gutter. And it's like, it hasn't happened but they talk about how it's going to happen and, and none of it does actually a lot of the stuff that people talk about never actually happens, but they say that's realistic. Like, and so if you start actually looking at what realistic actually is, it's a whole lot of bullshit mm. and realistic is actually a lot more optimistic than you think, because all we know that's realistic is right now in this moment, mm. this is really happening as far as we can tell, but all our worries, all our concerns, all our fears, that's not happening. Like my worry about, will I be able to get enough people to come to the theater? Like, will, will we have, um, to perform for nobody or for like three people? Will we sell out? Will we make our money back? None of that's happened. That's all in my head. Yeah. It's all, if I make that my reality right now, that is delusional because basically the fear is just going, okay, all my, all my mind or my, my conscious awareness is telling me is like, okay, well, this is a possibility. It's not happening, but now you can prepare yourself to make sure it doesn't. You can deny that it could happen and try to just risk it and go forward and close your eyes and see what happens. Or you can be, you can, you can ask questions, prepare, do your research, put together a budget, think about your risk, you know, your risk, how risk averse are you? Like what losses are you willing to take? If you're just going to walk into it and take a chance, Yeah. you know, how much are you willing to bet on yourself? You know, and, um, you know, and, and, and you look at it and you go, okay, well right now, as far as I go, I go, okay, well, if it's a 30 person theater for one night, I would bet my life savings that I could fill it. I could do one night. I could fill one full night, 30 people. Yeah. Could I fill three nights with 30 people? Now I'm starting to get a little bit more uncomfortable, but I feel I could get pretty damn close. Yeah. Now, could I fill 140 people in one night? 
I don't know that yeah. to me, that's pushing my limits. Some people, you know, if you were talking to say like Meryl Streep, not a problem. She could probably do it for three weeks straight every single night. Oh yeah. And more, right? Easy standing room only. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know what I mean? Denzel Washington, someone like that doing fences. Like they have built themselves to a certain point where they can assure that's how much they can do. Right. And other people account on that. So I have to, that's I have, how studios work. That's, that's how, how studios work. work. So like, if I'm my own studio, I just go, okay, well, what do I feel confident with? Well, I feel confident 30 people, 40. Okay. 40, 50. I'm starting to feel a little more uncomfortable. Okay. What's my line right now? I find my line. Right. And go, okay. That's where my line is. So now, now it, it, some people, you know, you're brand new. I think when I was starting acting, like I could get 10 people for sure, maybe 15 for sure. You know, some people, maybe they just are really connected. They could get a hundred. It's no problem for them. It doesn't really matter what your number is, but your reality is more like going, what do I feel confident and comfortable with? And where do I got to push myself? So right now I'm pushing myself out of my comfort zone. Cause I'm talking about doing one week at like a 70 something person theater and they say, if you're running a play appropriately, if you get 40% of your audience every night, you should be able to at least make your money back. So 40%, if you price it right and you do right. the math and you, you know, that, that's just an average. Mm-hmm. Ideally you're getting like 60% a night. If you're getting sellouts, you're doing really well. You should be making money. If you're only breaking even at sellouts, you're not pricing it right. And you're not really doing the math properly. Yeah. That's what I've learned. But a lot of people, they basically, what I'm also finding is they make, they do theater, um, without doing the math. They just go in blind. They go, well, if we sell it every night, we'll make our money. Sell it and then we'll charge. I don't know. We'll charge. Yeah. Like the, don't really think about what you're going to charge for yeah. it. And so like people will pay 10, they'll pay 20, right? Will they pay 25? That's all they're thinking. But, but really you got to do the math. You got to go, okay, well, if for us to make our money back, we need to charge X amount of money for it to be worthwhile yeah. for the exchange. And so when you start thinking about that, you don't, you worry less about what people will pay and you think more about what it will take, which is, right. you know, so basically as I'm going forward, I'm, I'm, I'm being optimistic but I'm being realistic, but in reality, not in my fear. Yeah. Cause like, this is the big thing that I'm realizing is that my fears and my worries, they're good for me to, to at least pay attention to, but not to live in. Yeah. Cause they they can all be remedied and they can all be adjusted. Yeah. Yeah. I recently saw a thing that, uh, it was a talk. I haven't watched it yet, but it was uh, like a neuroscientist talking about how to, how to, better deal with like stress and anxiety. And it was to like, actually you consider, um, what some of, of the, like really consider what some of the outcomes might be for something that's giving you anxiety or that you, that's, that you're thinking about. And then what you do is then you start to figure out what your responses are going to be. Hmm. All right. So what will you do? in the event that this happened. Ah. Right. And you start, once you actually start to put together some, like a couple of options of what you will do, your stress and your anxiety actually goes down. Mm. And then as a result, you also, in the event that one of these things did happen, you're kind of prepared to deal with it because you've already considered it. Mm. Right. It's, it's kind of similar in a lot of ways, you know, it's like, it's about being, being realistic as opposed to keeping them figments in your head right? You actually create sort of a, uh, of a game plan. 
You know, it's interesting you say this, like Tony Robbins, like has all these talks about like, uh, building confidence, building self-esteem confidence is, you know, and, and, and him and, and Jack Canfield's another guy I really like yeah. it's a bunch of people who I, you know, who I listen to a lot and, and read their books, but confidence is being able to do something without doubt and self-esteem they say is just having options of ways to do whatever you want to do. And what this neuroscience is basically pointing out is like, okay, if this goes wrong, what are my options? What is my self-esteem? And, mm-hmm. and doubt only comes when you decide that if this doesn't work, everything is lost. That's in your head. It isn't all lost. So you need to be like, okay, well, what's the worst case scenario? We put up a night and we have nobody show up. That's the worst. That's the worst thing that can happen. So what are we going to do? Well, I, I already thought about that. I'm like, well, you know what? Let's run the play as though there's an audience. Let's just do it. Let's put it up, you know, because we'll run it for the crew. It doesn't really matter. You know what? The thing is, is that when you start to take away whatever your fear is, because like, here's the thing. What if you did a week, let's say, and you did six sold out nights, but for some reason on the seventh night, it, it landed on the, the same day as some big tournament or some big event and nobody came. Yeah. Play's still good, but nobody came. Or your first opening night, nobody came, but then it sold out every other night, whatever. The thing is, is that are you going to let that defeat you? Are you going to let that stop you? Cause this is just how life, life is going to work. And when, the, when, from what I understand too, with the theater on the 40% average, it doesn't mean that you're getting at least 40% every night. It means that you're getting a 40% average, meaning that some nights you might have 10% of the theaters sold out on an indie production. And yeah. that might actually be good. Meanwhile, other nights you have 80 or 90% sold out. And yeah. when you're just starting out, you don't necessarily know what your reach is yet. Like, I don't know what my reach is. I'm brand new to this. Like mm-hmm. I'm the new kid on the block. So for me, I have to, I, I need, well, I don't have to do anything, but I need to consider it's, it's in my interest to consider how many seats do I want to leave available for people to come? Yeah. Right. Because here's the other thing. If I, if 70 people will come one night, but I only have 30 seats. Well, the 40 people that couldn't get in are going to come another night. So what ends up happening is this actually gives me the opportunity for them to come another night. If there's only like, say in the math, like if you have 30, if you have a, a three day week, right. And yeah. you did three shows, let's say you got 90 people can come to your whole show. That's it. Well, if only 90 people came to your show, but let's say you're running a, a seven day week, it might be the same numbers, just over seven performances. Yeah. So what, so what happens now is let's say there's 180. Well, on your say 70, 70, uh, person theater, right. And there's 180 that'll come. And that's only 180 are going to actually come out to your show. What, what ends up happening is you have a sold out night. That means there's only 110 to come to the rest of your shows. Yeah. So like, I think sometimes what we get, we get, we get kind of confused about is we think like, Oh, like every moment needs to be perfect. And it's like, no, every moment doesn't need to be perfect. Some days you're going to have sold out show. Some days you're going to have a fraction of the audience, Yeah, you know, but the thing is, is that, and this is like life, like everything theater is such a great, 
um, what I'm finding is it's such a great, um, model for life because life is so like this, you know, you yeah. have those days where it's just rock and roll. It's like sold out audience. Everything's perfect. Everything's going right. And then you have those other days where like, everything's going to shit. Nobody fucking showed up. Yeah. It's kind of good. Nobody showed up cause everything's going to shit. And it's just like, you got to kind of just get, pick yourself up and go again. Yeah. But I, what I like about theater is that if you commit for more than one day, you commit to like, getting over it and going again. Yeah. Which is kind of cool. Yeah. Like there's some, I feel like there's a great lessons for me right now in this, doing this. It's, it's kind of exciting. And the show must go on. The show must go on. Yeah. 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 Well, that's awesome. So it's been a learning experience, but, I, mm-hmm. uh, but I think like, I mean, I don't know how many of our audiences are interested, but this goes for live bands too. It's the same thing. Yeah. You know, a live band, you're going to put up a show. Let's say you're going to finance it. You're going to put it up independently, not a gig. You're going to actually produce your own show, put it up, invite an audience out there. And maybe you want to get some, you know, big people in the industry to come out to it. It's the same thing as putting up a, uh, it's putting up a, you know, a play, Yeah. you know, the venue you choose, um, the deal you make with them, who you're going to hire to help you out as far as like, are you going to get money off of off sales for drinks? Or are you going to leave that to the bar? Can you fandangle maybe like getting the bar for free or for cheaper? Because that's another thing, right? Like just because the theater costs a certain amount per week for straight off the street, this is what I'm charging you. I can still swing deals with people. I might not necessarily have to pay. I'm not saying I won't, but I might not necessarily have to pay what I think I'll have to pay. Mm -hmm. But also at the same time, I don't want to count on that. Right. So there's kind of, um, it's just options. Like yeah. you're saying, like the neural it's, yeah, yeah, it's knowing what you're looking at. Right. You know, it's like, and, and then you're able to make an informed decision that will help because it's like, you know, with the instance of, of, of the play, you know, it's like, let's say you have 30 people and you, and you, and based on what you're going to have to pay, like your costs that are going to go into it. And in order for you to, you know, make your money back, you needed, you need to sell so many tickets over the course of the three days or whatever. And, and to cover your costs, it will require, you know, like 10 bucks a ticket or something. Right. So you go, okay, 10 bucks to make my money back. Well, do you want to make a little bit more than that? Yeah. You probably do want to charge maybe a little bit more than that, because if you don't sell out on some days, then you, you know, it's, there's so much that goes into, into these things. Right. But being able to look there, there is such a value to being, to being able to look at like, just like the numbers at looking at the reality of what you're doing, because I think that, yeah, it's especially when you're an artist and because really all you want to do is put up, you want to put up a blade. Yeah. You want to do a show because that's fucking great. It's awesome. You know, like that's, that it's the reason why we're doing this. Hopefully, Mm. you know, is so we get to do it. Right. That's why we put up a show. That's why you go through the effort of the theater and, and tickets and blah, blah, blah. It's because you want to do a show and you want people to, you know, come and enjoy the show. Hopefully you want them to come and see what you're, what you've created and what you've done. Um, and you get to do it. Um, but the thing is, is if you don't, if you just want to pretend that these other things don't exist, you know, that, that, these, the tickets and the numbers and, and figuring out what you're going to charge everything. You know, some people, and I've been guilty of this is you just don't want to look at it. Right. Right. You just be like, I, you know, it's just, 
well, we'll do it right. We'll charge this and blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, no, that's not, you're not doing yourself any favors here. And it's actually not that hard to do. Like it's, it's a pretty easy work actually to do. And it doesn't take very long either. Like it really would just be a matter of sitting down and, and putting together a couple of numbers and saying, Oh, okay. So it would take this to break even. I want to get like, I don't want to just break up even. I would like to make some money. So, okay. You charge a little bit extra onto that. It's like, and I also want to maybe leave a little bit of room in case I don't sell out every single night, you know? So now I actually, that way, if I don't sell out any of the nights, you know, but I get like a decent audience, if I still sell this much, I'll break even Mm. still, you know, like it, then you can make like empowered decisions that will help you not get into a tough situation right. necessarily. Right. But well, like it yeah. beats going in blind, you I know, so. and just being like, uh, you know, I think this will work. You know, I think that this will, will, will cover it. And then you get caught with your pants down. Yeah. And I think like, you now know, you're, you're worried you're, instead of doing your work, you know, exactly. you're just worried about shit that you don't necessarily, you really don't need to worry about that much. You don't need to gamble. You know, I think the thing is yeah. too, is like for most artists, I think number crunching and like putting the math together and all that seems very daunting and scary and like uncomfortable. Well, we got into arts cause we didn't want to do that kind of yeah. shit. But here's the, here's the good news. And for those of the people out there who are like, I don't want to crunch numbers. I don't want to do that you can go online and just Google search a template for putting up a play and don't just pick the first one you choose. Go look at a few of them. There's lots of free templates. And uh, I found a really great one, which I'm using now. And if you don't need to put money into a certain area, just put NA next to it. And what I found, which is really neat is it does all the math for you. It actually mm. has all the equations worked out. So I don't even have to know how to do it. I just simply put in the number and I go, okay, this is how much the theater costs. This is how much it costs to hire the people who need yeah. to work the hours during the times of our shows. And then it does all that math. And then I go, okay, well, I don't necessarily know how much my set decoration is going to cost, but I'll tell you what, I'll allot X amount of money towards that. Okay. And then it gives you kind of a number. And then you like the number, don't like the number. You go, okay, well, uh, how do I take the number back? And like, one thing I always put into my film budgets is I, I do a multiplier by days. So like, um, you can multiply anything by a day. So basically sometimes I know how much it's going to cost to say hire someone per day, but I don't know how much they're going to cost over the whole shoot. But I go, okay, well the shoot's 21 days. So they're going to cost this much, but I go, I don't like how much that costs, but I'm not going to necessarily pay them less. So what I'll do is I'll just have it for less days. It knocks a bunch of prices down. Yeah. But the thing is, is that, you know, you don't even really have to understand the math that well. You just need to know, like, you just need to maybe do some research, go online, Google search. Like I Google searched most of the theaters, almost all the theaters in Vancouver, I found how much the rental fee was per day, per weekend, per week, per weekend, per weekday, all the prices, almost all of them just by Google searching. So that work was done almost immediately just by doing research. And like a lot of things can be done that way. So, and, and you know what, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if you could probably even go online and find someone who's already put together budgets who's willing to share their budget of their production 
or talk to someone who's already put up a play that you liked and ask them, like, do you have a budget of what you did and get them to share it? Or if you're listening to this podcast and it's making sense to you, contact me and I'll help you out. And maybe you can help me out and we'll figure out how to put up more plays together or or whatever. Or who knows? And maybe a, a conversation that you have with somebody who's, who's done one and then they go, well, tell me what your play is about. Right. The next thing you know, you've got a partner in crime. So totally. you're just like, Hey, I'm on board. I actually want to, I actually want to do this with you. Well, you know, you know and, yeah. and now you've got like a mentor or, or an expert who's like there with you. You know, what's interesting, Evan too, right? It's because most of the scripts I've been writing over the last two years, I haven't been able to share, right? I'm under all these confidentiality yeah. agreements and such, and I'm not allowed to do that. But this script, hot chat. Yeah. Hot chat. Well, this script was mine. I own it. I get to decide. So people asked if they could read it. Someone was like, can I read it? And I was like, yeah, sure you can. And then other people were like, well, if you're letting people read it, I'd like to read it too. And I had so many people read the scripts. And so it was really great because a lot of people wrote reviews and that got other people excited. I had a, I had someone who's like quite a successful, you know, uh, actor in this industry, call me up and say like, Hey, can I get a copy of your script? I'd love to read. And I'm really proud of you by the way. Like, yeah. And just, we had a, and it opened up a conversation and it's like, you know, what's really neat is that when you start kind of being able to put yourself out there, people come out of the woodwork and I'm not going to say that I've gotten every piece that I need. I'm far from it, Yeah. but I'm getting little piece by little piece and it's making it all a little bit more achievable. And it is like you say, if you go out and ask people questions and like, you know, I just met someone the other day and I started asking them some questions about theater and they were helping me out a whole bunch of different ways. Yeah. And like, what's really neat is people get excited. They're kind of like, Oh, that's cool. You're up to this. And I didn't even know, like, I didn't even go out with the intention to get their help. I went out with the intention of just, um, curiosity and finding out some answers and, you know, but it's, you're right. It it does. Like it it opens up doors. People want to help. And, and, you know, what, I think one of the biggest like things that, that prevents artists from, um, from growing, uh, as far as their careers go, taking, their next step in that, in that regard is artists not putting themselves out there. Right. I think that's one of the biggest things, you know, it's like for one reason or another, whether it's a lack of confidence or, um, you know, you're, you become overly protective, you're strangling your work, you know, so you won't let anybody else see. I mean, it's all kind of fear shit usually, you know, in, in and of that, I think so. It's, it's, it's that, like I mentioned earlier, it's being realistic. Yeah. It's like, but let it, you know, letting it go a little bit. Yeah. Letting it breathe. Um, That's really, that's really kind of what we're talking about. That really is what we're talking about. It's like letting letting, letting your breathe, letting your creativity breathe. And by doing that, it includes everyone else. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And even letting it get away from you a little bit, you yeah. know, sometimes you can rein it back. You can always rein it back in. Yeah. You know, that's the one thing like, um, like for me, the, this last little bit, uh, I went and, and did recording for the first time last week. You so did I've been recording, writing this yeah. song. Yeah. Like, and, and I just like the, the situation kind of presented itself. I'm like, holy shit, I need to actually, you know, like I need to get this going here because of some of the help that had been offered to me and, uh, went into recording before I even, I felt ready, you know, before I felt ready for it. And in many ways I wasn't ready for it. Hmm. Um, but it was unbelievably awesome. Hmm. Like 
stepping in and, and fortunately as well, I'm, I'm working with some, you know, people who are friends and, and are really patient and, <laughs> and were really nice. I didn't realize that it was going to turn into like a day that was pretty much all about me recording this song with them. And it, I was so uncomfortable. It was like new experience for me. And like, I didn't want to screw up, but I screwed up tons. I was making all kinds of mistakes. So I didn't know what I was doing, but like by the end of the day, I had like learned so much stuff. I'd already, you know, improved what I was doing. It inspired me to get better. Um, and I have a way better understanding of, of how to step into the process again, the next time. Mm. Right. And as uncomfortable as I was, and like, there were voices in me that were just going like, like, Oh God, I can't, I can't do this shit. Like this is like, and, and, and just wanted to like feel like embarrassed or like I was screwing up and I was wasting like, you know, all this kind of stuff is like, you're wasting their time. They're getting like, like they're probably getting mad at you. And it's like, you know, delusional, Mm. like completely, this is not reality. It's Mm -hmm. like, yeah, were we having to do take after take? It's interesting because recording like music recording is a lot like filming. Really? It's a lot like filming. It's ridiculous how much like filming it is. It's just like take after take after take after take. All right, let's move to the chorus. Take, 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 take. Like you do it. You just keep on doing takes. Right. And you go back and you do the second verse. All right. All right. And you do, and you keep on rolling the takes, which one's the best one you mark, which one's like the best one. And then you come back and then you bring it all together and like editing, you know, and you make all this magic, but it's like, it was really cool. Really, really awesome process. And like, had I not, and we're, and we're stepping back in again this week to finish it up because it took longer than, you know, they had thought, but they knew they're like, Oh, this is your first time. Like, no worries. Like, let's like, let's just do this. You know, they're, cause they're just passionate about doing it and they're, they're really helping me out. But it took a little bit longer than, than I think we had expected it to take, but what are you going to do? Like, that's just the situation. Yeah. And, uh, and had I not been able to just like kind of power through it in some regards and just, you know, you have to accept a certain level of humility, I think is so important when you're stepping into something new Mm. like that and being able to like, let it go and a little bit and, and letting them have some opinions. Cause I was asking them, it's like, well, what are your thoughts? You know, almost to a point where it's like, okay, well maybe I should actually, yeah, like rein this in a little bit more and be more clear about how I want some of this to go or some of my own ideas, but also being able to let some of it go Mm. because it was really like, I cannot tell you how awesome it was when, after we finally got like my chords down, you know, basically because what they do in music, see, I didn't know any of this stuff is that you start off with a sketch track. So basically it's like the whole song through, um, and you just put that down. It's not going to be kept you throw it away. Right. But you, you lay it down so that then the drummer can come in and they can drum on top. But the sketch track has to be perfectly in time, like almost perfectly in time. 
which is why it took so long because I'm like, Oh wow. Like, because I'm listening, I got headphones on and I've got this click track. Right. And I've got to play like to this and it's cold, man. Like we were like laughing about it because it's like, it is a, it like, there is no feel to it. There's no, like, it doesn't even feel rhythmic. Like there's nothing musical about it. It's just this hold, this hard, cold click. Wow. (laughs) But it's in time and you have to play it in time to that thing, right? The whole way through. But then because of that, then the drummer can come in and do their thing. And it was so cool for when we finally got that done, hearing a drummer who nailed it in like three takes, (laughs) but hearing them like just put down a drum track to like with the chords and just being like, holy shit, this is a song, dude. Like, this is exciting. Like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm was like super pumped. And then it was like, and then I had to step back in and then do all my stuff again. (laughs) I'm like, Oh my God. Like, it was just like, it was challenging, challenging in so many ways. Like it like challenged my, my, not just like my own technical ability and forced me to get better, like kind of on the fly. I had to get better and I did get better. Um, but it also challenged me as far as like my ego goes, you know, like the ego just wants to just like get angry and like, or run away or do something, you know, but like you power through it, like, and you just, and it's an unbelievable experience, Mm. right? That's incredible. It's not what you expect necessarily. This is exciting times for us. I mean, me venturing into theater, you venturing into recording music. I mean, we're pushing ourselves outside of our comfort zones, I think as artists, because like, you know, um, it's exciting because, you know, as we talk about art, I feel like for us in our discussions, this is really going to help our listening audience just because we're working through some things that are uncomfortable again. Yeah. And what I'm finding here with theater, and it sounds like the same for you with music is it's kind of like starting over again. It's like humble beginnings a little bit. And you know, the thing is, is like, it's best to accept that. Yes, totally. And that's the thing I'm realizing with theater is like, I'm like, I've made films before I've, you know, I've raised hundreds of thousands of dollars, you know, I've done that. And like, you know, I've worked on multi-million dollar pictures and I'm thinking I'm going to come in this like a hot shot. And I was like, immediately like going, okay, you know what? Nobody, nobody necessarily knows what, what I'm capable of yet. Yeah. Like you read my script. I mean, after we talked, I mean, you, you know, uh, I, I'm just going to say, I mean, you said you need to make this right. And that's what yeah, I, that's it's, a, a, no, it's an amazing script. Well, I appreciate that. And, and the people who have read it have all said basically the same thing. This needs to be made. It's great. So, but the problem is, is that the people listening to this haven't read that script yet. Yeah. And they probably, I'm almost a hundred percent sure. And like, unless there's someone else there out there who's like a producer or someone who's connected somehow there has probably not read my work yet. So they don't know what I can do yet as a writer. So my first play in some ways is much like your first track. It's like, I got to learn from the ground up. I don't get to skip any steps. And so I might have a few extra skills. Like I learned how to budget with film so I can probably do it with theater. Not too bad. I learned how to put together teams. I'm, I'm ahead of the game a little bit in those areas, but still 
it's like making my very first film. Yeah. And I've been a part of a play. I mean, part of many plays. Um, and I've been like kind of a associate which isn't really, I guess, a real thing in a play, but I've been kind of associate producer on a play where I helped a producer basically produce the play and acted in it with them. Yeah. Um, so I learned a little bit through osmosis that way, but, but as far as like leading something myself, plus I wrote the script and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm basically, it's all the buck stops with me situation. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's neat, but I think what it's just like when we did this podcast, it all starts with humble beginnings. Mm -hmm. It all begins with, going, okay, like, what can I do to begin? And, and I think what I'm realizing is that for me with theater right now, and, and, and I, same probably for you with music, tell me if I'm wrong, but, but it's like you're about to eat like a big, a big meal. Okay. And instead of like, or a big steak or a big something, right. Yeah. And instead of taking off this big bite that you don't even know if you can chew or swallow, it's better to take off a small bite you know, one song, not a whole record, for example, you yeah. know, a weekend or a week, not like three weeks, you know what I yeah. mean? Like do something that's reasonable, take a taste of it, see if you like it. And if you like it, then go bigger on the next one. You know what right. I mean? <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah. And that's kind of the lesson I'm kind of, I'm learning and like not to, not to, um, get too far ahead of myself yeah. and to be a little patient and also the same thing as we've been talking about, let it breathe a little, yeah. like let the discoveries inform what I'll do as opposed to me going, no, this is what I'm going to do. And this is how it has to be. Yeah. It's much better for me to go, okay, this is what's happened. This is what I've discovered. So now I just, yeah. Mm-hmm. And to like, let go of the, this of an idea that you like, you're supposed to be an expert somehow. Sure. You know, because that comes up. I don't know why here I'm, I, I am recording and like, you know, it's, I'm just, I'm just aware of it. So I know not to listen to it. Right. But it's just like my, my ego is getting, is going nuts out of being like, Oh, we're fucking this up. Like we should like, like we've been playing guitar for how many years and we can't even play in time. (laughs) Can't even play in time. You know, like, and it's, and it's like, no, this is a new way of playing. And even the, like the guys I was working with who are quite used to it by this point. Right. They're like, Oh man, like it's nobody nail, like for one, like no matter how many times you do it, there's like almost nobody who n- nails it first time. Hmm. Like even after like they've been recording for years and years and years, nobody nails the first track, you know, and screw ups happen all the time. And in fact, even they're like some of their bits, they had to redo it and we had to do some tinkering because it was a little bit out. It happens. Hmm. Right. And so, but it was just interesting to me that's like, even though it was the first time for me doing something, my expectation was that I was supposed to be better at it than I was being at it, which wasn't even all that bad. I was actually doing all right. I was not a disaster by any stretch, but like there was a part of me that wanted to, wanted to convince me that I was a disaster, Mm. but you power through it right? Don't listen to it. You don't give it the attention and you accept a certain level of humility, which is, you know, they, they even commented on that. And you're just at th- that they're like, wow, like, like always so hum- like, you're so humble. Like, and blah, I said, because that's kind of the way that I've got to get past this bullshit that's going on in my head is I've just got to accept humility here mm-hmm. that I'm, that I like, I'm basically like a kid here. I'm learning. I'm completely learning. And 
it fits into this whole thing of breathing. Yeah. I think is like of, of letting it breathe a little bit because I think that the kind of the instinct is, is when things don't start going the way that we had maybe hoped for, you know, there's nothing wrong with having high hopes for something and hoping it goes really well. Of course, you, of course, again, we always hope it goes the best way, but that's rarely the case that it does. So when things don't start going in that, I sort of that idyllic way, I think the instinct is, or the first reaction that, that we have is, is to, we start to get uncomfortable. We start to kind of panic. We start to get afraid and you start choking it. Mm. You start trying to possess it more. You try, you, you, you just try and control it mm. more and more and more. And now you, there's just no room to breathe mm-hmm. and you can't, and there's no room for anything to happen. You can't even, you can't even learn anything anymore because you've completely closed off. Right. You can't hear suggestions. You can't hear anything from anybody. And a tantrum is probably looming (laughs) and like storming off. Right. And that happens, you know, that happens. And sometimes the best thing is just go and take a breath. But I think humility is a huge thing in, in this whole sort of breath and stepping into uncomfortable territory. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's it's something as also like the older you get, it's, it's like the less you're a kid, the more you think you're supposed to know and supposed to be good at. Yeah. And I think this is pretty common. Um, and you know, that's the reason why when we get older, we don't start learning or doing new things is because we, we, when we start learning and doing new things, we usually suck at them. We're usually not very good at them at first. Yeah. And so people have too much pride and too much ego to go, okay, well, I'm going to do it. They, they, they don't necessarily say it, but in many ways they're saying it's too late. Like I started too late, which is really just bullshit. And so, you know, like there was, there was a part of me too, as I've been learning about this theater thing and how to do all this, there's part of me is like, why didn't I go to theater school? What? (laughs) Like, well, I'm just like, my, my ego is just going crazy. Why didn't I go to theater school 10 years ago so that I would know how to do this now? (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Like, like, like I know it sounds crazy, but like, there's this part of me that's like, but you made movies. You're supposed to know how to do this. And it's like, no, you're, you, you don't, you don't necessarily know how this works. This isn't, this is, you know, but like, it's really good that I'm kind of confronting this because I'm seeing where I get uncomfortable because I think that there's a certain point in your career where if you stick with something enough, you practice it every day, you get pretty proficient at things. And what I'm finding now is like, well, this is neat because it's pushing me outside of where I'm comfortable. And actually, since I've been pushing myself in this area in theater, other areas in my life have been improving because I'm more willing to step out of my comfort zones than them I'm finding as well. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's, it's kind of like, um, getting, getting over myself, going back to humility and kind of being okay with starting small, but here's the thing that I want to say that I'm finding is also the most important, not thinking small, but being willing to start small. So instead of feeling like I need to take leaps and bounds right off the bat, 
All I need to do is do incremental steps for just tiny little steps. And really like this first thing, this first play in, in if I continue with this will probably be a cinch. It will be easy eventually. Yeah. But right now it's hard. And it's good for me to admit to myself that this very, what I think should be easy is hard. And so there could be, you know, there could be a, a cruel soul on the other end of this podcast going, Oh, what an idiot. Like you can't even figure that out. It's yeah. like, well, that, that's fine. Like if that's what you think, but for me at the moment, this is difficult and that's okay. Because if I enjoy it, I will get good at it. I get good at anything I apply myself to. I always have, and it always works that yeah. way. Usually what I don't ever get good at is things I don't even start. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's really where yeah. things usually are the problem. And I don't start them because I justify or somehow get into my head that there's, you know, no point or whatever. Yeah. But like, you know, I, it's, it's very interesting. Yeah. Like, I never planned on doing this play, but it just, things unfolded this way and this is how it's going. Yeah. Yeah. Everything is difficult until it becomes easy. Right. Right. And I think that, yeah, when we, when we are confronted with these things that challenge us, um, in our lives and creativity, but especially, yeah, with like these unknown territories, these new experiences, um, and as artists, that's what we're, that we kind of feel like that's what we search out for, Mm -hmm. you know, we search out new experiences. We search out, uh, yeah, the unknown, Mm. and getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. And I think, and and I'm really like realizing how much that has to do with like certain, yeah, everything that we're talking about here today, like accepting actual reality. Mm. And that includes the reality of where we're at. Right. And being able to say, it's like, Hey, look, I've never done this before. Even though there's a part of me that is telling me that I should know how to do this. The reality is, is there's really actually no reason why I should know how to do this, Mm -hmm. you know, and you probably pick up a few little things here and there, but until you've actually immersed yourself in the process of what it is you're doing, you never really know it. Right. You know, you never really know it. It's like, you know, it's, it's seeing a, a a photograph of the roof of the Sistine chapel or actually standing underneath the roof of the Sistine chapel. You know, it's like, they're, they're, they're not the same things. Mm. They're not the same things. You know, the experience, we talk so often about the experience of something and how that really leads us to wisdom. You know, you don't really know something until you've gone through it and going through it also means the challenges of it as well. Mm. And just like, yeah, you know what? Some of it's going to feel kind of shitty. Some of it's going to feel kind of icky. I know I felt that way during part, like big chunks of the recording. I'm like, Oh, I feel icky. I just want to get this fucking thing right already, (laughs) you know, but it's like, but getting angry about it and getting myself worked up about it was going to work against me. Right. So it was just like taking a breath and being like, okay, I'm just going to try and do it better again. And it's like, didn't get it that time either. It's like, okay, let's figure it out. Or there was one part that I planned, you know, cause I, I wrote all this shit. I put all the chords together, but then it was all about putting it, getting the timing right to it and to, and to, 
my own sort of like credit and to, and the guy who was recording, he was just like, Oh, it's like, it's kind of actually a funny thing that you've planned based on the timing of this. Like he's knows more of the theory than I do, but he's like, it is kind of a weird one. This is kind of a weird thing that you're doing, but when you get it, it's going to sound great. Mm. (laughs) And it did sound great once I got it. And I learned something out of the whole process. And it just like, it made me want to claw my freaking eyes out at a few points. Hmm. But you just do it again and you do it again. It's actually not that big a deal to just do it again. You know, there's a, there's a saying that we only, we only know ourselves by the challenges and adversities we face in our life. And so in some ways by setting this up and even doing something that was kind of I don't know how he described it. Weird. What'd you say? He said it was difficult or he said, yeah, he was like, it was, it was a little strange, strange okay. how I yeah, was strange doing this, how this arrangement went with the timing. So your strange thing that you did actually gave you an opportunity that not everybody gets. Yeah. And so like, you know, this is the thing that I'm, I'm like really learning to embrace right now is that it's not about me being perfect and doing everything right. More so it's about me creating challenges for myself to, to face because like we think we actually, um, because of our education system primarily, I believe is a big part of it to blame for this. We believe that you work at something, you do something, you, you know, you get good at it, you get better at it, you get better, 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 better. And then you're perfect at it. And you've done this one thing that you knew how to do and you're just refined but actually getting better at things doesn't really work that way. And here's why I'll explain. It actually works more by doing one thing and getting pretty proficient at it. And then kind of like letting that go and getting proficient at another thing that's kind of related, but different, but then you get proficient at it and getting proficient at a totally another thing. Now here's how it relates. When I used to play hockey, um, I used to stick handle in my garage. I basically stand on in shoes. Right. And I yeah. stick handle and I stick handle. Okay. Well, stick handling when you're on, uh, when you're not moving, that's one thing stick handling while you're going like, you know, 30 kilometers an hour, or like 20 miles an hour down the ice at some big ass defenseman. That's another thing. Yeah. And the, uh, the momentum that you're moving at versus the momentum they're moving at and how you're, going to work that out. That's another thing. Mm-hmm. And so what I started to also find out, and I found this out, in, you know, so that's another thing in soccer that it wasn't so much how quickly you could move forward as much as it was how quickly you can move sideways. Mm. That actually made a bigger difference is what, but, but could you move fast forward and sideways? So in some ways, like, you, you could be really fast and you could be really good at dribbling or say stick handling or whatever, right. or, uh, you know, even basketball doesn't really matter what your sport is. Even football, you could be really good at that, but you also need to combine other skills. So it's actually mm-hmm. the most effective athlete is usually proficient at a few different things that they can combine really well yeah. as opposed to the best at one. So the fastest athlete isn't always the best athlete. Often the athlete that has several other skills that they're proficient, but are well combined is better than the one who's the best at one thing. So, um, what I'm starting to realize is that by pushing myself into areas and becoming 
well, and I will, I'll become proficient at doing theater, provided I decide I want to continue with it. But this, I, I'm already seeing that learning theater is actually contributing to me as a, as a writer, more so contributing to me as a filmmaker. And it's a combined skill. Mm-hmm. And my skills of filmmaking and and acting and producing that I've already done and writing are contributing to help me to put up theater. Yeah. So I'm not necessarily good at theater yet. I don't necessarily know how to do that, but I have other skills that are assisting it. Yeah. And so in ways that you don't even necessarily understand. Exactly. Yeah. So the thing is, is that I think we need to take a little pressure off ourselves at being the best at something and being so perfect at everything, get proficient at things, but then figure out how these things can combine because, you know, also like, um, you could be, you know, you could be really, really fast, say like running, but like the guy who's, or the girl who's really good at stretching one day might be better than you as a runner because they're more loose and limber than you are. Mm -hmm. So just because you have that one, you know, fast forward, uh, sprint, they're, they're, they have agility and yeah. their agility combined with their speed is much more effective, even though they're not necessarily, um, faster than you, that agility combined with speed is better than yeah. just having speed alone. Well, it's like, you, you know, know, there's lots of, uh, football players who, uh, take ballet. Right. And it's like, like lots of football players who take ballet because they learn all kinds of balance. They engage muscles that don't necessarily get involved as often, but are, it can be extraordinarily valuable, especially when you, when you're getting to a certain level, certain cowards, like those little, those little things make such a huge difference Mm -hmm. when you're, especially when you're up against like the best. Well, there you go. Like ballet, like what football player is going to be good at ballet, right? You're going to start that. You're going to suck at that but you realize like, Hey, if I keep doing this and you have good mentors and coaches and you put some humility right forward, you get kind of proficient at your ballet practice. Yeah. And all of a sudden you're like, wow, I'm a better football player. But yeah. like, that's the thing that we don't always see that sometimes it's a, you know, it's a very indirect way to what we want. Yeah. And I think that's why we really got to let it breathe. And we got to like, you know, we were talking about, you were saying like asking for help sometimes gets you a good contact by my like I go out in the world and I'd be like, I'm, I'm telling people, I'd be like, I'd be like, <laughs> no, but I tell people like, listen, I don't know much about theater, but this is what I want to do. And this is my plan. You know, what do you think? What can you tell me? And they immediately kind of, they don't take pity on me, but they go, okay, well, he doesn't know. So he's an open book. And I find that people are sharing amazing things with me because they know, because I'm not bringing any ego to it. Cause yeah. I'm going, or acting like you already know. I'm not acting like I already know. Right. I'm acting like, I'm acting real. I'm being like, look, I don't know. How does this work? What do we do? Who do we got to hire? What kind of lights do we need? I didn't realize that a lot of the theaters that I actually want actually already have the lights I need set up. I don't yeah. even need to get them like that in, in film. You got to usually go get your lights. Yeah. But like a lot of these theaters actually already have all the lights I already need. And really all I'm looking at is, well, if you want to do this specific lighting thing, you might want to get this additional light just so that we can do that. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh, interesting. I thought I had to get all the lights, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But like, I don't know. And this is kind of like to someone who's in theater in some ways, if you went to theater school, you might actually be at a disadvantage to me because you think, you know, but I'm getting information from people who might be like really high up because I don't know. They're just, they're not even just telling me the, the thing I asked. They're telling me that and then some. Yeah. 
because I'm listening, right? Which is really neat to me. And same for you with music, right? Like if you go in with, I don't really know what I'm doing. You're all your buddies and all your friends go, okay, well, this is how this works. This is what you do. And now like you just got this great education. Oh yeah, man. I'm like just going in with humility, right? I mean, how amazing is that? Yeah. I'm thinking beer, beer. Yeah. Let's talk about this beer here. I think we're both enjoying this one, aren't we? Yeah. This is going down real (laughs) nice. This is perfect for today. Um, cause it's warm, not like sunny, but it's warm. Mm. Uh, so it's like, it goes down good. It goes down good. (laughs) Go down good. Go down good. And, uh, (laughs) but it's, it's nice flavor, but it doesn't, um, like there's nothing necessarily that really stands out. It's just nicely balanced. I'm going to say this is like a, this is a pale ale of some kind. Um, it's good. It's good. You like it? It's good. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely when I, from the first sip, I was like, oh yeah, this will be, this'll do. Yeah. I'm, I'm enjoying it as well. I never had it before. Here's, here's the info on it. So this is from Bowen Island. Oh, Bowen Island. Yeah. Bowen Island beer, bowenislandbeer.com if you want to go to their website. And, uh, yeah, it's a hemp blonde. It's nice. Called, it's called reef break. Yeah. So hemp blonde is, is what this beer is. Um, I've had stuff from Bowen in the past. Yeah. And, uh, like Bowen Island itself is beautiful though. They don't actually make the beer on Bowen anymore. Oh, they don't? Yeah. They, they started out, but then it became so popular so quickly uh, that they had to, uh, vamp up their, their facility and yeah, okay. so, which meant they had to move off the Island. Well, that makes sense. Cause Bowen is such a small Island. Yeah. It's in BC, by the way, for those of you who are not our local audience, um, it's a hemp blonde ale. So, I mean, that's the darkness, the ale, but, um, yeah, it's really good. You know what? Why do I know another little fun fact about this particular beer is I, I didn't even realize it, but it was actually, um, really inexpensive compared to most of the beers. Yeah. Um, for a six pack of this $10. So, which, I mean, if you're in America, that doesn't sound great. Right. But in Canada, yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty good. That's I mean, really most good. beers I find craft you're, you know, I mean, if you're getting like your local generic kind of beer, you know, it's pretty inexpensive all that time, but most craft beers, you're usually looking at about 14 bucks. Yeah. Sometimes you're looking up to even $20 for, you know, even a pack of four of them, right? Like, you know, cause there's yeah. like designer beer. This one was only $10 for a six pack. And actually the quality of the beer, it like, I wouldn't have, I would have never guessed that's what it was worth. Yeah. So I think it's kind of one of those, um, kind of cool beers where it's like, you know, it's a, it's a really tasty beer for a pretty inexpensive price. Yeah. So, um, the fact that you liked it and it was inexpensive was a, you know, good sign. So anyway, yeah, that's the that first, is. first that we, I think we've had from Bowen. Is it? Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I don't think we've had one from Bowen Island. All right. You want a little more? Yeah, I would love a little more. All right. I like they've got, it seems like they've got some new, uh, new branding. I like it. Yeah. The branding's kind of cool. It definitely gives that Bowen Island feeling. Yeah. It's kind of got like a, like a like almost like, um, like a, like a sailing sailor's tattoo kind of look to it, you know? Yeah. 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 It was was good. I, I definitely will get this beer again. It's, um, I'm, I'm happy I got this one especially at the price point too. Totally. You just like it. 
It's like, that's, that's an easy pickup. Yeah, man. No problem. Just throw them in the cooler, take them around with you. Yeah, exactly. And it's, you know, it's, you know, um, it's a, it's a, it's not too overwhelming, but it's like nice if you want kind of a little bit of a taste to your beer. Yeah. You know, cause like I find, uh, I find for myself, like I can have some of those really generic commercialized lagers still, you yeah. know, but I, you know, and sometimes just on those really hot summer days to me, those are the beer. I just want to, you know, like I find like kokanee or something like that. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, when you're off at a festival and just every, you know, just having a beer, all I really want is something cold and I want it to be beer. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like that's kind of like what yeah. I like, but when I'm kind of just tasting beer and hanging out and I'm not planning on, you know, just drinking them back, um, this, this is a good beer I find because it's pretty tasty and like for a little less, that's cool. So anyway, we've been having a lot of good beers and I just thought that was a fun fact. Yes, indeed. Um, okay. So yeah, let's, uh, let's carry on with our, our, our things here. Yeah. Um, we don't have to wrap it up just yet. Uh, but, uh, do you have a few, few more thoughts that you wanted to, uh, well toss into the hat? Okay. Yeah. uh, Yeah. Maybe I'll throw in a couple more. So basically this is where I'm at right now with the play. And I'd like to hear where you're at with your music. Yeah. So where I'm at with the play right now is making a decision on which theater I want to go with. I've narrowed it down to, I think five or five or so that are pretty much the options that I'll start with because I want to do it locally and I want to do it. and, And maybe something else will come up. I want to do it at a venue that's, that's relatively classy I'd like to give people the theatrical experience. I want people to come out, you know, uh, hang out, socialize, have some drinks, maybe, um, kind of really get the feeling of like when you go to theater, like the way theater is supposed to be experienced in my opinion. Yeah. You know, like when, like the thing is, is when you go to a movie, you grab your ticket, you probably don't really talk to anybody. You grab your popcorn, your drink, go sit down. Maybe you're there with your friends. That's it. But when you go to theater, it's a little different. You know, there's a community. People are out there. They're there for something is going to happen alive right now. Yeah. Anyone who's seen it before doesn't know if what happened before is exactly how it's going to happen tonight. It might be different. Yeah. There's, there's an aliveness to it. Um, you know, and there's kind of a, when theater is set up properly, there's, it's set up for people, in my opinion, to socialize and connect and interact with each other. And I think in Vancouver, um, particularly, we have kind of a little bit of a, uh, a society that people kind of get cliquey and they get in their own little groups. Mm. And I'd love to have a theatrical experience that not just the play is why you showed up, but you showed up because of the whole experience. I'd love it for it to be like that. Um, so right now I'm picking a venue and now I'm also realizing, okay, well, what's going to be exciting for me in the next couple of weeks is starting to figure out what it'll take to actually do the set design I want to do kind of, I want to give people an experience. I'm just so sick of going to black box theater. I went to so many plays when I was in, uh, you know, New York city and you know, some of the most complex sets that were set up and some more simple ones. Yeah. But I found out that like, you know, some of the plays I went to in New York, the acting and, and the, it wasn't even that good. I was like, Whoa, I could, I thought like, Oh, well, if you're going to be off or off Broadway, you know, it's gotta be good. Right. And it yeah. wasn't, but what they did do, and I could appreciate in pretty much almost everything I saw was the little deals, little details were thought of. 
They thought of the little things, you know, like for example, um, in, in the play that I'm doing, I'd like to do floorboards if I can. I want you to actually have a floor to the apartment, not yeah. just this black theater space, yeah. but like an actual like hardwood kind of looking floor. Mm-hmm. And so like, I'm going to look into like what that would take. It's these little things that give you the experience. Yeah. And I went to the Stanley once and I mean, obviously they're dealing with lots of money. I mean, they're dealing with like a million dollars or something when yeah, they're putting like the some, arts club usually performs out of there. I think right. hundreds of thousands of dollars, millions of dollars for these plays, right? They're the serious deals, especially when they get like a big person come in. Right. Yeah. But like, um, they did this thing where they designed the stage where it was kind of like, it was projected off on one area and then lowered on another. I saw Othello there. I saw like the mouse trap there. I've seen a bunch of like big plays. I think even a doll's house, death of a salesman, yeah. you know, whatever, some of these bigger ones. Right. And, um, and I've learned things as I've been going and I'm like, well, we might not be able to do the extreme, what they're doing, but we can do some of it. And so like, it's going to be kind of exciting. And I, I think that's part of the creativity. Like to me, set design has always been a neat thing. So, mm-hmm. uh, for me right now, where I'm going off with this and what I'm learning to do here is building my, my team of people to help me put this play up. I'm going to be re-editing the script again, of course, but, uh, and figuring out how, how I can make this vision kind of come alive. And, uh, I, I already shared this on an earlier podcast, but I have a lighting scheme I want to set up too where, you know, cause there's basically three locations. There's the street, there's the bar, and then most of it's in the apartment. And then, uh, there's this little deck part, but I have these ideas for lighting because at one point it's night and another point it's morning and another point it's afternoon. And yeah. I want the lighting to change when that happens. I want it to be very like a blue hue when the night comes in, you know, and when it's the morning, I want like an orange hue to be coming yeah. in, but I don't want it to be like, you know, I want it to kind of give that feeling like, Oh, we're in the morning now. This is like, and I want you to, to not just rely entirely on the actors to have to do all the heavy lifting mm-hmm. because I think that we could, and I, I think, you know, the play speaks for itself. I think you could totally black box it. You could do it. People would probably be pretty interested as long as both actors are really tip top, but I don't want to have to rely on that alone. I want to actually do it right. I want to put the lighting in the set deck and all that. So that's my, that's where I'm going. And I think that that's, but that's also part of like the artistic process for you, for you. That's like, that's what this needs, Mm -hmm. right? That's where it has to go right? for you. Right. It's, and it's not like a right or wrong thing. You Mm -hmm. know, that's, that's you as an artist being like, as a voice, this is what I want to do. This is where I want to take it. This is the, it's, and it's all about shaping an experience of something. And you do what you need to create the experience, right? That's, that's the big thing. It doesn't work the other way around, right? Like it's all like to, like everything is, is working towards creating an experience of something as opposed to just doing something for the sake of doing it or Mm. doing something because, well, that's what you do or what have you, right? Mm. Like it's like, it's, it's all to feed something bigger. Yeah. Yeah. Which is what, well, and you know, it's, uh, I think the thing is, is that it's fun. Yeah. You know? And so I think I'm just going to go off and I'm going to have some fun trying this out and figuring it out. And, um, you know, and I, I, you know, regardless, like even if, even if we lose a little money on the play, like 
I don't, I just don't want to lose everything, but like, even if we break even or lose a little or only make a tiny little bit, I'm still okay with that. For me right now, this is a opportunity to build the audience, workshop this play and have an experience and learn something. And I feel like no matter what happens, this is like, I'm, I'm, I think I'm doing it right. I'm, I'm being smart about it. It can only help me and whatever I'm doing and who's ever involved move forward. And I want the audience to come in. This is my, this is my vision. And I believe when you say your vision out loud, it usually happens. Cause for me, when I, when I get real about a vision, it usually comes true. And within reason, I mean, you know, obviously like there's times where I've been like, man, I want a million, but I don't know if I ever committed to it. <laughs> but regardless, I would love for the audience to come in and have an experience yeah. and walk out and be like, I didn't expect it to be that good. I didn't expect to get that caliber of a theater experience. And I, and I didn't, I just didn't expect it. And they walk away and they tell people about it because right now when I wrote the script, I I wanted people to feel something Mm -hmm. and everybody who's read it has said, I felt something. So I'm, that goal was one. So if I can keep just accomplishing little goals. And so I look at the audience, I go, I just want you to walk away. I want you to feel something. I want you to experience something. I want you to be like, okay, that was a, there, there's the little extras, you know, it's those little extras. Yeah. They don't have to be perfect, but it's like, like you walk that extra mile. So that's what I, that's what I'm going to focus on, on doing moving forward. But I'm excited about that. It's yeah. like, how do I walk that extra mile? I mean, I don't necessarily get to put it up at the big theater, you know, for the $26,000 a day, you know, whatever, and, and have all the lighting and all the set deck and all this stuff that I, that I could ever possibly dream of. But I do get with my little, whatever theater I choose, I, that I get to make that, you know, and if it's for a night, if it's for three nights or if it's for seven, I get to do that. So that's going to be where I'm going. And it's exciting to me you know? Um, but that's kind of the, that's the next part of my, that's the next part of the thing that I'm embarking on. Yeah. Um, how about for you? So you're, you're going to be finishing off this track. Yeah. On, uh, on Thursday. Okay. What's on your, Thursday. What, what are you thinking so far? You think you want to put down more music or? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, I definitely want to make more music, uh, from this experience. Cause man, like, like I said earlier, like just hearing, suddenly like someone put the drums in and I mean like we had and the guy who did drums is uh Shane Martin who we had back on the show a while back and man was that some because at first I heard him like he was just like doing like he was just listening to it through the headphones so I I didn't know what was going on Mm. right like he's here's he's hearing the chords and he's drumming but I wasn't hearing the music I was just and it sounds really strange like just the stuff and then and then the guy who was doing the recording, who's also a brilliant musician, we should have him on the show actually now, I think. Get him on. It. Yeah. Um, he's like here and he hands me the second set of headphones and he's like, so you can, so you can hear the music with what he's playing. Cause otherwise there's no context. And I put it on, I could hear the music with like what he was playing. And I just like, it was, it was one of the coolest creative experiences I've had in such a long time just to be like, wow. Like, cause he like, for one, like he just nailed it. Like he nailed, like I gave him a little like 
bit of direction. I mean, he already knows what he's doing, but I mm-hmm. said like, yeah, I know this is kind of like the feel of it. And like, I want this kind of stuff to happen for kind of like some of the fills. And he just like, he just knocked it out. And you're just like, wow, this is like, when you just start to see like a couple of pieces of it coming together and you're like, this is unreal. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, like going in, like I, it's actually probably the most nerve wracking experience coming in. Cause we had just started on doing vocals before uh, I had to go and they all have to be redone. But the vocals is something that I'm like, w- this, it's the most uncomfortable spot for me. Right. Is doing the vocals on it. Because like, I think I've got a, like, I don't have a bad voice, but it's not something I'm in the habit of like, I'm not in the habit of like singing for people very, very often. I have got, I don't know. I've got nerves about it. Right. (laughs) So, um, we got to go in and, and put the vocals on and it's, uh, but I'm excited for it. And there I'm, I've already been talking to them and they said, Hey, like, they're giving me little pieces, things I've never really thought about, you know, I've, of as to how I've written it, how I've arranged it. And they're like, consider this, consider that. And I was like, Oh, okay. Cause like there are things I've never considered before as part of the music, you know, because like the way I writ- I wrote it, they're like, well, you might want to think about like having sort of like a rhyme at this, like having it rhyme at this part, because right. a lot of the lyrics, some of it rhymes, some of it doesn't. Cause I kind of wanted. I'm like, no, I want to just be sort of free form because I don't necessarily think that music has to rhyme necessarily. A lot of my favorite musicians have written songs that there's not really rhyming couplets in it necessarily. So, but they're like, oh, but like if you, if you do it for certain sections, it kind of helps because the audience knows that like a transition, like it helps to move through a transition Hmm. when it goes from a verse to a chorus or a bridge to a chorus. And I said, I've never even necessarily thought about that before, but it's like new learning experiences. So, um, you know, the next steps for this is, um, actually literally breathing. Yeah. As I'm saying, cause that was like the biggest thing when I was trying to put down some of the first vocal stuff for it. They're like, breathe. Cause they're like, we can, it's like, you can feel like they could just see how nervous I was right about doing doing the vocals for it. And they're just like, they're, and they just like breathe and just connect like mm. to what you're doing. And I was like, Oh, okay. All right. So, uh, I don't know. I don't necessarily have an expectation, but you know, I do have, I just have a drive to just like push myself to, to push, push myself to let go <laughs> a little bit more to just like let it rip, you know? And, uh, and just yeah. trust it and have more confidence this time. So, well, I'm really proud of you, man. I mean, it's I'm proud it's, of you too, brother. Uh, thanks dude. I appreciate it. But yeah, I mean, you went out and you, you know, I, I know it was, it's been an important thing to you. Um, music and, uh, you went out and you wrote this song and now you're recording it and it's, you know, and you wrote your book earlier. Like, I mean, it's been really, it's been really cool. This artist journey we've been on and, you know, I, uh, uh, it's exciting. You know, it's just, it's all, it's all really exciting. And, and sometimes, you know, there's moments like today where I'm really beginning to see that there is this really kind of cool journey. And I think the hard part for me has always been like, 
expecting or, or, or feeling I need to get somewhere or some big thing needs to happen for things to be a success. And, uh, you know, I, I was, I went to a film screening the other day and, um, you know, there's, it was packed, you know, it was indie, indie production. And I was telling people about the podcast and some people were like, yeah, I listened to it. And then they were like, you guys have done 120 something episodes. You've released. I'm like, well, we've recorded 140. They're like, you guys just released. This is crazy. You know? And I was like thinking, yeah, you know, sometimes amazing things are happening without even realizing that amazing things are happening. Yeah. And like, you know, I look at you and I'm looking at you, you created your song, you're off recording it you know, you're only going to keep moving forward. It's inspiring to me because I look at this, I go, well, doing this play is the same thing. You know, I wanted to write this script. I kind of saw it as a play. Now all of a sudden I'm looking at theater options and putting together budgets to do it and it's becoming real. Yeah. And, um, you know, that can be, and that can, that can test us. That can be a scary thing to make it it real. It can be. And I mean, it's not as, you know, initially I, I'm kind of coming to grips with the fact that it's not going to be off the bat as big as I wanted to. Like I had this vision and it was totally like fantasy really. But I had this vision. I'm like, Oh yeah, we're going to put this play up three weeks. We're going to get reviews. We're going to pack it out. You know, and like I just, this, <laughs> this is how I was thinking. I mean, it's, it's like, kind of crazy. It's like what Donald Trump was living in your head. <laughs> yeah. We're yeah. Gonna it's going to it's gonna be huge. <laughs> we're going to build the big wall. <laughs> it's going to be, well, you know, and so I'm just, I'm like, I'm like in fairy tale land floating around going, and I'm not saying it's impossible, but I'm, uh, you know, but I'm, I'm going, oh yeah. And then, you know, and within no time we're going to be off, off Broadway. We're going to be doing, and I'm like, and then I started looking at it and I started looking at what it actually takes. And I'm like, whoa, this is a, this is a bigger endeavor than I, than I thought. But what the thing is, is that I've been learning to enjoy the smaller victories and realizing that if I enjoy this process, then I will continue on with it and I will do it again, either with this as an, as another run of this play, or I'll write another play and I'll put that up and I'll, and it'll be a bigger production or whatever. But I'm realizing that incrementally everything really gets to where it wants to be. Like I became a professional writer about two and a half, three years ago, maybe like I became a literally like a professional writer, getting paid for my work, getting hired, consulting with other writers that came from just writing every single day. And in about five days from now, I'll have written for five years every single day. So it just reminds me that like these little things that seem like they're nothing at the time, they're adding up to big things. Mm. And so I'm kind of like just having this moment of like, focus on just making small incremental steps. Because, you know, I think like a lot of my artistic career up until a few years ago, was very haphazard. It was done very randomly and not, and, and, and always trying to make big moves. And I think that that's where I made it more difficult on myself. Mm. Now in the last five years, really in the last, like maybe even seven, but the last five years, um, three, especially I've been just doing little things. And then we did the mastery weekend and I got that great reminder, you know, same with you. Right. But that, you know, do small winnable goals, make it achievable, you know, and you build that confidence. And I'm realizing that like, what I want is actually a lot closer to reach, but what it takes is it takes patience and it takes, uh, it takes the discipline of persistence 
And it takes just kind of breathing and enjoying the moment that I'm in. And also not expecting that I know the path to get where I want to go right now. But that if I keep taking steps, I will get there or close to there or somewhere like there that maybe even be more accurate to where I want to go. But it requires me just taking small steps today, tomorrow, the next day, and so on. And I'm going to have a much better journey if I enjoy the steps as I'm taking them and not worry so much about where I need to go. But like this five-year mark is a, with writing is huge for me because I'm not even there yet, but it's one of the first times in my life where I can actually look back and be like, wow, look how far you've come. As opposed to what my, most of my life has been is like, look how far I have to go still. Mm. And so I'm, and I know this is a wisdom that's been passed down by many, you know, for many, many like centuries really is like, look how far you've come, not how far you need to go. But I'm finally getting that in my life. Yeah. I'm finally beginning to honestly like go, wow, look how far I've come. And to some people, you know, they might say, look at me and I'm like, well, it's not that impressive to them. It might not be impressive. That really doesn't matter. What matters is that it's impressive to me, you know, and I, and, and a lot of the growth that I've done too, I've been realizing is a lot of it's internal. It's, it has, some of it's been externalized and it's been really wonderful, but I also feel like that's also part of the growth process is you spend a lot of time building internal stuff. And it isn't until the end when you start to like way later, where you start to really see the external benefits. I'm going to share a quick story. I don't know if it's bamboo or it's some type of tree or whatever, but you water it and, and nurture it for like five years and nothing happens. You don't even see it like do anything. And then, uh, and then in the fifth year of something, it just grows and it flourishes. And the, the moral of the story of this tree is that all the time you're nurturing and watering it, it's planting its roots and you can't mm. see it growing under the underground. Yeah. And so what I've been really trying to embrace right now in my own artist career is that I've been planting really, really deep roots. Yeah. And now I'm, I'm beginning, I'm still building roots, but I'm beginning to start to see the rewards. The last couple of years, I've been getting to see the rewards of what I've been planting. And so I'm kind of like, just be patient, stay the course, you know, enjoy the ride too, because, you know, it might not be for you five years. It might be 10, it might be 15, it might be 20. Are you going to stop doing it? And the answer always comes back to me. goes, no, I won't. At this point, I, I just don't see myself not doing it. Mm-hmm. So then if I'm not going to stop doing it, I might as well keep nurturing it and watering and planting my own growth and trust that eventually these things will flourish into bigger things. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, that's kind of the message I want to leave everybody else with. And that's kind of, I already said what I'm going to do with my theater thing. So there's not really much for me to do from this podcast. I think I've kind of said it, but look, I just want to say all the other artists, just look at your growth. You're, you're planting roots right now Yeah. and, and be patient and breathe and, and trust and, and have that humility. And don't worry if other people are like seeming like they're getting all the rewards you're not getting right, right now. Um, you know, and don't, don't compare yourself to that, you know, um, external success is always easy to recognize because we can all see it. But internal success is arguably more important, but only you will see it. And so it's something that you got to start getting honest with yourself about and start to really check in and like, you know, because I think that's where the confidence comes from. Mm -hmm. Because when people get external success and they get it easy and too fast, 
sometimes, you know, that tree that they built blows over and can never be picked back up, you know, but when you build really solid roots, um, you know, no matter how big your tree grows, no matter how much success you get externally, you're the feeling of groundedness, the Mm -hmm. feeling of solidarity, uh, you know, it's a beautiful thing. And so that I've been really enjoying that solidarity feeling in my art for the last while. Yeah. And you know, you know, I mean, I've been talking about on the podcast. I mean, there was a certain turning point I had where all of a sudden it wasn't all of a sudden it was like four years in, in, you know, years, years and years in the works. But all of a sudden, seemingly it just was like, I'm on, it's like, I'm grounded. Yeah. This makes sense now, you know, but that's what it took me, you know, Mm -hmm. maybe not everybody needs the needs as long. That's what it took for me, but now I'm grounded and now I'm, I'm beginning to be on the path. I mean, um, there's wonderful, there's other wonderful news that's also happening in my life. Since I wrote this play, there's opportunities coming in, possible financing for projects that I want to do. It's a very exciting time, but it, 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 it came about once I got grounded in myself and, and you know, the other thing too, is I want to say like the external things that are happening right now for me, they're like a bonus more than the point. Right. But when I was younger, they were the point. Mm. And, and it's very fleeting when they're the point because sometimes they come and sometimes they go. And sometimes you're the golden boy and, or golden girl. And sometimes you're not, you know, and, and, uh, right now, even if I am the golden boy for, you know, certain producers and certain people, if that goes away, I'm still going to be okay. You know, and that's a really good feeling that feels like a lot of confidence and it feels like, um, a lot of solidarity, you know, in myself. Yeah. And, uh, and, and yeah, I'm just enjoying the ride. So anyway, theater is my next endeavor and I will venture into this. Let's see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. How about for you, sir? Do you want to leave anybody with anything? Do you want to, any lessons learned? You know, for me, it's, um, for me, the big takeaway for me is I'm going to always remind myself that I'm, I'm still just a kid. Hmm. Really? I'm still just a child and all of this, like, just like, accept that it's like, yeah, no, I don't, I don't know. I don't know everything. And cause yeah, this whole kind of, it's been interesting, this whole sort of little, uh, thing in the background of, of breath, because I'm like, yeah, you know what? That really helps me to breathe. You know what? Like it's, like, you know, if you're listening to this at home or wherever you are, just say to yourself, I'm still a kid, right? Like just, just kind of feel that for a second. For me, it just like, I feel like I can breathe. I feel like, Oh God. Okay. Like I don't have to be so serious about this. I don't like, I can, I don't have to be so nervous, so anxious, so perfect. Perfect. Exactly. So fricking perfect. Yeah. And with that, then go for it, you know, accept that I'm not, yeah. Like being able to accept that I'm not perfect, you know, like is it's, it's, it works against you. So, Hmm. so harshly to try and be perfect. 
you know, like I'm, I'm going to take this because, you know, like doing this play, it's like that. It's like I'm a kid, you know, and, and I'm a kid. I'm still a kid, you know, and, then, and rather than fighting that. Yeah. And, and, and try to say, well, I'm an adult. I should know how to do this. I've got it. It's like, no, 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 no. Like, like, fuck that. Screw all of that. You don't know. Yeah. You don't know what you're doing. Yeah. That's all right. Like that's perfectly all right to not know what you're doing. It's the best place to start from. It's the best place to learn. Everyone talks about how well kids learn. It's because kids don't know anything. Kids don't have like as much of an ego about them, about like what they know and don't know. You know, it's like, what's that? What's this? How come? Hmm. Why is this? Like curiosity. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I don't know what this is. I don't know what anything is. And I think it would do us all a lot of, of justice and favor to accept that throughout our adult lives as well. You know, say like, I'm just a kid. Hmm. I don't know how to do this really, but I'm going to give it everything I've got. Yeah. Right. Based on what I've, what I've got, I'll give it all I've got. And I'll learn. I like it. I like it. I like that a lot. And I feel that that's a really good practical thing you've given everybody to like walk away with, including myself. Cause I think that's really it. I mean, you know, uh, kids, they aren't so uptight. They do breathe, you know, they breathe because like, it's very natural. It isn't until we get like all worked up and serious and tight. That's when we actually start, start constricting our breath and we start restricting feelings and we start taking life too seriously. But kids, you know, all these things that we're supposed to be. Yeah. Right. And kids, they don't, they're not supposed to be anything. And they, they, and they cry, they cry, they laugh, they laugh. They, you know, and they, and they go through a gamut of emotions, unless they're suppressed by some adult in a really like abusive way, Mm -hmm. they tend to, um, really, like express and live and whatever. And, you know, I've seen like kids who with great mentorship and great teaching become profoundly good at things. Like there's this little kid online who, you know, who's been training for the Olympics who can already do backflips and swings and stuff. Yeah. Another kid who can do boxing and stuff. Other kids who are crunching numbers better than some adults I know, yeah. you know, like, but at the same time, you know, it's, 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 they can like, we can all learn these skills and it's never too late. And I think the thing is, is like, um, it's great to start something new. So I think what I want to, what I, my call to action is do what Evan said and say, you're, you're still a kid and take on that thing. That's new. Just go do that. And don't need to be good at it. Look at it. Like you're still a kid and go do that and try it out. And understand that you don't know how it's going to go. You have ideas, but be adjust, just adjust and, and do adapt it again. and then go again and you'll figure it out. And, uh, you might not end up where you initially intended, but if you go down a path that you feel you want to go down, I think you'll end up in a good place and you'll start to develop confidence you mm-hmm. know, and a certain kind of freedom, a certain kind of trust in yourself. Cause you got to stop. I think the other thing too, is like, you know what the underlying thing is? we all got to stop looking for another authority to tell us we're okay, to Mm. tell us we're good, to tell us we're enough. We need to start being our own authority. And the only way you're going to do that is by going out and 
and trying it out and doing it yourself and experiencing it yourself and through experience and you gain wisdom and you become your own authority. And the only reason why you're not the authority of your life in a certain area is because you just haven't gone out and done it. You've been relying on what other people said or told you or their opinions, you know, make an opinion for yourself. That's what I'd like to say to everybody else. Like make an opinion, a real opinion, not some made up opinion, like, oh, you know, I'm not good at that or I'm not good, which is based on nothing, based it on experience, you know, and go, okay, well, you know, I've only practiced this much. So I'm about as good as, as much as I practiced, you know, you're as good as much as you practiced. That's like, you know, like you, yeah. you showed up to your music thing and you said like, you, you, you were saying like, I should know more. Like I should, to my, my theater thing. I'm like, I've been filmed. I should know more. That's the problem. No, you shouldn't. You are where you are. Yeah. You know, but if you, if you start where you're at, you can actually get better. But if you like have to be somewhere else, you just like, you just play a whole head yeah. fuck with yourself. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good one, man. Yes, indeed. All right. Well, you know, tune into the BNE podcast, go to the BNE podcast.com. And if you guys could, who are listening, follow our blog. Cause, uh, Evan writes out, um, he writes out like basically Cole's notes on these things. So you don't even have to listen to the whole episode. You can just read the blogs, figure out if what we talked about is something you're interested in. And what's really cool is if you follow it, you'll get updated when we release a new episode. And this is really good for us because then we know, like we actually have a connection with you. And plus through the website, you guys can email us and contact us. And, uh, you know, we'll do our very best to get back to you as soon as we can, but it creates a much more of a connection. You know, if you follow us on SoundCloud or follow us on iTunes or, or Stitcher or any of these other directories, that's really great. And we appreciate that. But if you connect us, we run our own website. And so if you follow that blog, and you like it, I mean, which more and more people have been doing, and we really appreciate it. It really lets us know that we you're out there listening. Yeah, you know, because we do see the numbers, we see people are listening. But it's really great to get people and know that they're, you know, they're being a part of this. So I just wanted to give everyone a uh, call to action on that go to www.thebandepodcast.com and follow the blog and like a blog, if you will. And, uh, and join us for more of these. Yeah. Yeah. That was our show for today. Thanks a lot for listening and being a part of this. If you enjoyed our conversation, please subscribe and share with your friends and family. Or you can learn more and message us at www.thebndpodcast.com. Oh, and make sure to leave a comment and rate us on iTunes. That will really help us out a lot. It definitely will. Thanks.